This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Saber, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an interview for you from our trip to Oahu. Yes. And this was a super fun one. We got to play with Legos uh, <laughs> and we're children. So. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that was a very perfect for for us. Uh, yeah, this is our interview with uh, Monica Taguchi Ryan um, and uh, joined in parts by her husband, Russell Ryan. Yes, he was kind of the peanut gallery. He was just sitting back there, and then every now and then we'd get a comment from him. Yeah, a really good, pithy, worthwhile comment. It was it, it was it was an unexpected addition to the interview, and a very very good one. Yes, and this was one we were really happy to get because Monica provided such a great context to the food scene in Hawaii, and she is um, a third generation owner of a restaurant called Highway N that has three locations now all around Oahu. And she she had like visual aids and just was so knowledgeable. Yeah, I mean, we, we were expecting, I mean, you know, we, we knew that she's the owner and, and this restaurant has been in her family for so long. 
but yeah, uh, the, the the food at Highway Inn, um, uh, they serve a lot of a lot of traditional Hawaiian dishes, um, like fresh poke, roast kalua pig, um, lau lau, which is a, a dish of protein that's kind of steamed in tea leaves. That's T-I, not T-E-A. Anyway, um, uh, some stews and soups like squid luau and uh, chicken long rice. You can you can get these things a la carte or uh, via the classic plate lunch uh, with sides like poi or rice, um, lomi salmon, mac salad, and halpia, which is this coconut pudding dessert, which is also good. Anyway, um, more modern dishes as well, like loco moco and uh, quesadillas and fried fish or chicken wings with house twists, all kinds of lovely things. Oh, I have such a craving now. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I was looking at their menus and everything and just kind of quietly freaking out. Um. <laughs> it's like a really nostalgic craving for that brief, beautiful window <laughs> when we right. were in Oahu. Oh, gosh. Um, and and yeah, we, we met up with Monica near Highway Inn's second location in the salt development in Kaka'ako, which is this area of Honolulu with a lot of history. And we talked some about that in the interview. Um, but <laughs> they're... Um, the reason that there were Legos is that we were meeting up in in like this uh, this this office area in that development, and they had this little Lego build out of the area. So, and we immediately <laughs> we were very. I mean, drawn I think to we it. tried to put up a front for two seconds, and then <laughs> made a beeline for it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I yes. just, come on, Legos. What do you want from us? <laughs> right. I mean, we're humans. <laughs> Adult humans, but human beings. Everyone likes Lego. <laughs> I bet there's some amazing Lego projects happening right now. I wish oh I my had gosh. some Legos. I have I have a friend who's been live streaming some Legos <gasps> and it has been amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's oh live streams are a great thing. Um uh spe- speaking of of COVID-19, if you happen to be on Oahu, Highway Inn is open for takeout and delivery right now. Please support your local restaurants when and if you can. Yes, absolutely. Oh, so hungry. <laughs> so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, I suppose we should we should hop into our interview. Yes, yes. Uh, we'll let former Annie, Lauren, and Monica take it away. This used to be the seawall. So this is kind of like Alamona Boulevard. So the water and the shoreline came all the way up here, and they had dredged it. Oh, wow. Um, I think sometime either in the late 1800s or early 1900s, they dredged all of this area. So if you can take a look, there are salt pans here. And that's that's the reason why Kamehameha Schools named this place salt at our kaka'ako. Uh-huh. Um, the Hawaiian word for salt is pa'akai. But they want it to be more inclusive of other others. And so they, they named it salt. And that's the reason why we got that name here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, but these are all Hawaiian words. And yeah. everybody complains, like, how do you get around if I'm trying to tell the cab driver where I'm at, how do I pronounce that word? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I butcher that word and then they end up in the wrong place. <laughs> you know, so. uh, okay. We've we've been struggling with it ourselves yeah. since we have been here. It's 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 very um, phonetic. I mean it's like every word letter is pronounced the way you typically see it. So it's yeah. not it's once you kind of get the, the, the basic rule to to the language, it's not too hard. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that's, I think what's different about, so there are a couple big landowners in this area called Kaka'ako. Commitment mm-hmm. um, Schools, Bishop Estate is is one of them. Across Alamana Boulevard is OHA, which is Office of Hawaiian Affairs, which is part of the Hawaii state government. Um, it's a little arm offshoot of the, the state government, specifically to look after Native Hawaiians and their interests. And then we also have Howard Hughes um, development. That's kind of the more polished side of Kaka'ako. So you have east side and west side. We're on the west side of (laughs) Kaka'ako. So, but these three kind of land owners have over the past couple years have really um, gentrified this area. And, And so now what you see is a lot of multi-million dollar condos like many places around the country a, a lot of the local people feeling a bit pushed out sure. because they can't afford on um, the cost of living here in Hawaii you know our hospitality here in Hawaii is and the military is our main economic drivers here in the state and what that means is you don't really have other kinds of industries like high tech for example sure. manufacturing is is kind of on the low side to rely on to generate a more diverse economy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I imagine um, being literally positioned where Hawaii is, it makes it more difficult to to attract, um, especially manufacturing, probably mm-hmm. due to the cost of... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you, you kind of think that if you look on the map and you look on the globe, like Hawaii really is isolated. It is like this little <laughs> tiny island <laughs> in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, which is like the largest body of water you know on the planet uh-huh. and we really are this amazing piece of land um, that's just in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and um, there have always been talk about how strategically um, we are positioned because we are positioned between the west and the east and how that could be used in our interests for our interests that has never really materialized outside of the military position and and, and tourism yeah. yeah we haven't figured it out we're still trying to figure it out, and we haven't done a very good job doing that. Well, I like to be fair. Commercial air flight has only existed for what, like, seventy yeah. years now. Yeah, so right. I think you're doing just okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, because we live in the middle of the Pacific, um, everything has to be shipped in, and so what you find is you find even your basic food products, for example, things yeah. that you need for construction. Everything has to be shipped in, and there's a bit of a monopoly on on shipping. And there's also some federal laws called the Jones Act, which requires any shipping boats that comes to our ports needs to be U.S. It cannot be foreign. And so that also drives up the cost here. And, And so as residents and people that live here on this island, we pay extra Oil also gets shipped in, right. so we have one of the highest energy costs, one mm-hmm. of the highest costs of living, and also if you buy like a gallon of milk, it's probably like seven or eight bucks oh my for a gallon of milk here in Hawaii. Ooh. It's very expensive. Um, as, as a business owner, as a small business owner, is that prohibitive? I think people are struggling. You know, the, the local people here, um, both Hawaiians and both multi-generational families um, that have planted their roots here. So back in the mid-1800s, we have our plantation history. And so what had happened back then was a bunch of American business people had recognized that Hawaii's climate was excellent for sugarcane and for pineapple. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And what you find during that time period, from what I know, and I'm not a historian in any way, so I don't claim myself to be an expert. So, you know, people can Google this and then find out <laughs> if I'm telling the truth or making this stuff up. But, you know, around the same time, there was a gold rush that was happening as well. And so that spurred this demand for sugar. And because of our climate, a lot of American business people started plantation for sugar canes and pineapple and so what you find in the 1850s is you start seeing, they call this, called the Masters and Servants Act. It paved the way for a lot of importation of workers from other countries. Mm-hmm. And the California gold rust spurred the demand for Hawaiian sugar. So now we see in the 1850s, the first laborers that came to work on the plantations were Chinese laborers. Mm-hmm. And they did not bring their wives with them. So today you see a lot of Chinese-Hawaiian ethnic mixes. Then the Civil War in 1861 also continued to increase the demand for sugar. And so now you have these business people that have this very profitable business. Then what you find is in the late 1800s, um, Queen Liliuokalani gets overthrown by American business people because there's some American interest. Mm -hmm. And so there's this, you know, uh, generational unfairness of the people's lands Right. being taken sure. and a sovereign monarchy being overthrown through the annexation of Hawaii. Uh, and so Queen Liliokalani is the last reigning monarch and she was prisoned. I think King Kamehameha the first, actually, if you take a look at the Hawaiian flag, the Hawaiian flag has a Union Jack on it. And my understanding, King Kamehameha the first understood how the Western world was going to significantly impact the Hawaiian culture and, you know, perhaps wanted to have relationships more with, with England yeah. <laughs> than, this, when, than, the, than the United States and so adopted some of the, the parts of the British flag and the Union Jack. And so you see in the Hawaiian flag, the Union Jack, which is our state flag. Well, yeah. um, you then find um, in 1868, Japanese laborers coming on board. Mm-hmm. Um, the Japanese laborers were perhaps the largest group of immigrants. About 200,000 uh, Japanese immigrants came. I, I believe they, they all believed that at one time they would go back to Japan and they would make whatever money they could and then go back to Japan. But they found out very quickly when they worked on the plantation how hard life was on the plantation and they were very much like indentured servants yeah. and so it's really tough to get out of that life and then in 1878 you find the Portuguese now the Portuguese being that they're fair-skinned were an ethnic group that were typically if anything promoted to what they call lunas or supervisors on the plantation so now in Hawaii you also see a lot of Portuguese Chinese Hawaiian ethnic mixes because mm-hmm. of all these different ethnic groups coming on board. Hawaii's history also has Puerto Ricans and mm-hmm. so we also have some food influences from from Puerto Ricans and green bananas for example, patele stew. I'm not sure. I always get confused if it's patele or pastele. I'm not really quite sure how, you know, different people have different ways here pronouncing it. And then you also have like the Koreans coming on board in the early 1900s um, and then also Filipinos arriving. And so what you find in Hawaii's food culture now is you have this very diverse hodgepodge (laughs) of foods on our table today. How do you create a menu based on that? great question. (laughs) Well, you know, I don't know if if, uh, your listeners out there know this, but Hawaii is actually 
the spam capital of the world. <laughs> <laughs> we did an episode yeah, on spam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had like a spam fest and I think there was just this, this spam jam festival not too long ago. A lot of the plantation workers were, were very poor. And as a result, what you find is the kind of foods that they ate were typically things that could they could probably grow on their own. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people back then, because of our warm climate, also grew a lot of um, things like mangoes, avocados. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this thing called lychee. I don't know how you guys might pronounce it, but it's that, that yeah. hard fruit yeah. with the white yeah. pitted mm-hmm. fruit. And then, of course, because meat was expensive, typically, mm-hmm. what you find is a lot of canned meat. Sure. So one thing, for example, in our restaurant, we have corned beef and hash now. To an outsider, you're thinking corn brisket. You're thinking something that's slow cooked, you know, mm-hmm. an Irish corned beef and, and cabbage. Sure. Right. But here in Hawaii, <laughs> if you understand our history, it's actually canned right. corned beef. So when somebody from the mainland comes over and they, they order a corned beef and hash, they have a very different, they're kind of caught off guard because they're not thinking in the same way that local people Sure experience corned beef (laughs) from the can right yeah yeah yeah. um because you're you're uh, the third generation Mm -hmm. owner owner right right. and have you changed the menu or kept it more or less the same yeah so you know highway inn started in 1947 by my grandparents Mm -hmm. um they were very poor they my grandfather only had a third grade education I believe my sister always tells me I keep making up stories because I'm never telling really the whole truth but I just don't really know the truth <laughs> second grade third grade you know the point of it is that he he, he wasn't formally educated sure and uh, met my grandmother uh, started Hawaiian in 1947 and at that time Hawaiian families made their own food typically um, but it wasn't really a mainstream thing you know and if you think about what eating out meant back in the 40s it was really a special occasion i think you sure. know um not too many people in the 40s had a lot of disposable income yeah so i'm you know i'm gonna assume that when you went out to eat it was typically for a special occasion or yeah. or you know something similar to that my grandparents were actually of japanese ancestry mm-hmm. but my grandfather was born here and grew up with Hawaiian food and loved Hawaiian food, had many Hawaiian friends. And what had happened was during World War II, uh, Pearl Harbor was bombed. And we have now the Japanese-American internment story. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather was interned um, in Arkansas. So I have an uncle born in Jerome, Arkansas, amazingly. Mm -hmm. And my father was born in an internment camp in Tule Lake, California. And uh, anybody that is familiar with Japanese American history knows that Tule Lake was was one of the worst internment camps you could have been sent to. Mm-hmm. So he went there, and you know he made lemonade out of lemons, and met a lot of other Japanese American cooks from around the country, and learned when you were intern, you had to list a skill. Like if you were a barber or right. a teacher, yeah. And my my grandfather, being that he was always cooking and put cook. And so he learned how to cook certain American dishes like sirloin cutlets, hamburger steak, mm-hmm. um, in the mess hall with these other Japanese Americans. And so they became a part of the Highway Inn menu. When the war ended in 1945, he was released in, from the um, internment camp in January of 1946. He tried a couple things. He tried to grow pigs 
but they got skinnier instead of fatter <laughs> and recognized pretty quickly he wasn't a pig farmer. <laughs> um, and by that time, when he left, you know, when he was interned, they left with, I think, three kids and came back with five. <laughs> and, and now, eventually, they ended up having seven children. But back then, you, you had a lot of children, and that wasn't unusual back then. And, and, sure. and so he decided to, he really loved Hawaiian food and really thought that it was something worth sharing. And at that time, a lot of a lot of restaurants were more Japanese or Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even today, there's probably more Mexican restaurants. There's not too many Hawaiian food restaurants. And, and for those that are around, a lot of them are family-owned, um, have been around. Hawaiian is one of the older mm-hmm. uh, Hawaiian food restaurants. Things were very simple back then. You know, you, you have your basic Hawaiian food staples, poi, lao lao, pipi kaula, tripe stew, na'ao. Lomi salmon, which is a really interesting Hawaiian dish. This is this is where you you start to see how the introduction of different peoples and different groups uh-huh. come into play. Yeah. So here in Hawaii, we have no salmon. I was noting that. Yeah. Okay. I'm <laughs> glad you noted. I, 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 yeah. I'm glad you noted that. So you know, if you think pre, if you think about pre-contact when Hawaiians arrived, they had two main migrations: the first one from the Marquesas and the second one from Tahiti. And this is all pre-contact 1778. And what they brought with them on their va'a or their canoe were things like taro, which we call kalo in mm-hmm. Hawaiian, banana which is maya, coconut, niu. Um, they also brought breadfruit, ulu, mm-hmm. um, and they brought dog, ilio, chicken, moa, and pigs, pua. Mm-hmm. And they brought things like even like um, arrowroot, which we call mm-hmm. pia. So we do have a dessert at Highway Inn, or a lot of Hawaiian restaurants have this. It's called hao pia, because originally it was made with arrowroot. And now instead of pia, we, we use um, cornstarch right. to, to help make this dessert. But then you you see what happens in 1778 and the early 1800s is you start to see whalers and merchants starting to arrive here in Hawaii. And what they start bringing with them is salted fish. And they start seeing that also Hawaiians have salt, mm-hmm. that, you know, around the world, salt is a very valuable commodity. Oh, of course, especially back then. Right, yeah. right. And I believe the the root word of salary actually also derives from the word salt. It's Latin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's Latin. <laughs> so we have our com- com- <laughs> commentator in the background here. <laughs> the British commentator. <laughs> the colonist. <laughs> And we have some more of our interview with Monica, but first we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! Zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! Ride the 
roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from ATT Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. ATT Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit ATT.com slash hypergig for details. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. back. Thank you, sponsor. Let's get back into the interview. Sandalwood actually was at one time something that Hawaiians actually traded as well, sandalwood, um, before the pineapple and sugarcane industry came about. But, you know, in, in 1778, early 1800s, um, now you see salted fish. Mm-hmm. So that's how you see um, lomi salmon. We have this dish called pipikaula. Captain George Vancouver actually gifted King Kamehameha I cattle. This eventually created the Paniolo history, which is the Hawaiian cowboy. They had a kapu on it, which kapu kind of means like forbidden. So King Kamehameha I said, you know, nobody could touch this animal that Mm -hmm. they've never came across, which is a cattle. Mm -hmm. And they had to bring the Mexican vaqueros, which I believe means... Thank you, Mr. Commentator. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> hablo español. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so they brought cattle and they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know how to manage this animal. So they brought vaqueros and they taught Hawaiians how to ranch. And so now we have pipicaula, pipi meaning beef, mm-hmm. um, like strips or jerked beef. They would salt it to, you know, when they cut up the animal, they could preserve as much Sure. Meat by making it into like salted or, or jerky. And so you have this story of pipicola now in the Paniola Hawaiian cowboy history. And, and different groups of people throughout, you know, the decades um, brought over different types of, of products. So like 1794, which you find is Don Francisco Marin arrives in Honolulu and he starts bringing tomatoes. So now we have the Hawaiian ceviche, which is lomi salmon. You mm-hmm. get the salted fish, and now you get this tomato that's all diced up, and you have lomi salmon. Now, it is a, it's a food item that comes post-Western world contact, but because it's been around since 
late 1700s, early 1800s, people have now adopted it as part of the Hawaiian food yeah. culture. And so you see lomi salmon. The other thing that you see on the Hawaiian food menu that is also influenced by another group of people is our chicken long rice. And I'm looking at Dylan because uh, he just ordered that yesterday. Oh, okay, yeah, it was so good. It was. It was. Del- it's a very simple. It's a very simple dish, and and that's the thing. You know, one of the things at Highway Inn, I did create this. What was most important for me when people who are not familiar with Hawaiian food come and they they eat with us at Highway Inn, I really wanted them to understand what I'm explaining right now, which is part of that culture and that history. Because when you understand what has happened here in the islands, then you can have a greater appreciation for why the food is the way that it is. Otherwise, you just can't appreciate it as much because what you're doing is you're comparing native foods that are simple in both in preparation, but it takes a very long time. It's very laborious. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, if you think about seasonings, what did they have? Pa'akai, salt, limu, like seaweed, and they kukui nuts, which is like a tree nut mm-hmm. for seasoning. And um, we didn't have like cheeses and basil and mm-hmm. spices. So, you know, if you compare it to other types of world cuisines, You just don't have the layered flavors there. Um, But once you understand the story, for example, like poi, I don't know if anybody tried poi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) a couple different kinds. Okay, and and Uh, different varieties of... Yeah, uh, we, we had we had one that was that was pretty fermented and one that was oh, very lightly fermented. Yes. Um, and and I, I really like the sour kind, honestly. Like it's it's it goes so well with like the sweetness of a roast pork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, actually, it's better to eat it more sour. Sure, it's healthier. Fermentation, it's healthy, bacteria break. Right. Yeah, lactobacillus, lactobacillus. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it's good for your uh, microbiome. Yeah, your microbiome. Um, and, and, and so Hawaiians fundamentally understood this. And, and they, they have this saying, e pupa akai kako, which means they would, you know, pretty much put salt in the poi because it was so sour. <laughs> you know, they'll scrape off all the furry stuff growing on it. But some, something with the, with the poi um, created really good bacteria for your gut. Yeah. And, and kalo, for example. So when people eat Hawaiian food, I always say that the most culturally significant dish is going to be the poi. But from any other perspective, it's probably the most unappealing dish. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's just, I think it's just unexpected. Like um, we have a friend who's who grew up on Hawaii and has only uh, been in Atlanta for a few years. And when we asked her what it's like, like what to expect. She was like, you'll just find out. Oh. <laughs> She's like, there's no way to really explain, explain it. Like, right, yeah, right. yeah. You um, have to experience it firsthand. Too. Yeah. And it is like, it's, it's strange. Like as, as a, you know, like, like I grew up in Ohio and, and, in the American South, like, you know, there, there's nothing that's, um, that's kind of sticky and, and sour like that, yeah. that like it's either sticky or it's sour. Yeah. And that, so the combination of that texture and yeah. flavor, yeah. And, and the thing about it is, I think, you know, within the Pacific and even Southeast Asia, taro is used throughout Southeast Asia oh, yeah. and through the Pacific. What is really, I think, unique to Hawaiian culture is the fact that they pound the taro. So we call, we say kuiai, and then it turns into what we call paiai. So paiai is this very, you use only enough water to be able to 
pound the poi or pound the taro, I'm sorry. And then you get it into this form called pa'iai and you wrap it in, in tea leaf to keep it fresh. And once you're ready to actually, you know, eat it and share, Hawaiians is a culture, a very generous, generous culture. You add the poi so you can stretch the kalo, you can stretch the taro and share it with other people. But also, like we spoke about earlier, is that it it has a very healthy aspect to, to the product where the fermentation process occurs. Um, and I don't think any other culture actually does this with taro in this way. Yeah. I certainly haven't. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about the about the uh, tea leaves. That's a that's also part of the uh, cooking process for like a La-la. yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, could, could you talk about what that adds to the process? Yeah. So tea leaf is a really phenomenal product. Um, also in Hawaiian culture, it's also used. Um, it's a special kind of tea leaf that kakus or spiritual leaders uh, use for blessings. Um, oftentimes, when you hear like Pele, the fire goddess upon Kilauea, that is, you know, for the lava, they, they tell you the f- folklore is put tea leaves around your house so that she'll go, the lava will flow around uh-huh. your house. Uh-huh. So it's also um, from a cultural and, you know, perspective, uh, like a divine protection. In food, it's used to wrap things. I saw this one restaurant actually, I think it's on Maui, They're, they were actually using tea leaf to wrap their sandwiches so that it was zero waste. And I was like, oh, geez, you're going to drive up the cost for tea leaves now because now there's another use for tea leaf. <laughs> but what we use it for is to wrap the lao lao in and then we steam it. Um, it, it helps to keep the lao lao. If you've ever had a lao lao, it's this wonderful bundle of joy of delicious pork and we call it butterfish, but most people know this fish is black cod. Uh-huh. A little tiny piece of black cod, and and it, it helps to keep the shape of the lao lao. Mm-hmm. And it also helps to keep it from burning. From So it does have this element where it keeps the lao lao from being burnt. A little, like, a, like a moisturization yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, keeps the moisture in there, mm-hmm. keeps the luau leaves fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you need to steam the lao lao for quite some time because you need to break down the um, luau leaves mm-hmm. so it's it's called calcium oxalate and basically if you don't cook the luau leaves long enough it will make your mouth and your throat itchy oh huh yeah that's i'm sure it's just a protein breakdown of something that like reacts that we react poorly to, that this allows us to process. Yeah, and so the, the luau leaves really needs to be cooked and steamed a long time, or, or you might feel a little bit itchy in your mouth. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Thank um, you. But also, too, like what I said, when you ku'iai and you pompoi, it's also sometimes used to, to carry product, you know, to wrap product, mm-hmm. food product in, as a way to be able to transport it from one place to another. Sure. Thank you so much for speaking to the to the history um, of of the islands, and uh, I we we absolutely agree that getting the history of, of where people are from and those food mm-hmm. ways is mm-hmm. critical to understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you're mm-hmm. doing here. Mm-hmm. I always like you know people always say, well, what's your favorite what's your favorite meal? And I I like to say I think what's really healthy in the Hawaiian food menu is a bowl of poi, because you have your complex carb and it's fermented, mm-hmm. right? So you also have your fermented food. And lao lao, which is you get your 
daily dose of greens, which is like spinach or kale, you know, it has like vitamin A, C, iron, calcium, you know, all that good stuff. And then you have your protein, you know, which is your, your pork and, and you have your omega threes, which is is from the black cod, you know? So to me, I think like, and, and the funny thing here too, I, I donated blood and a really good you know, the, the girl said, well, you know, before you go and donate blood, besides drinking a lot of water, you should eat a lot of poke and you should eat a lot of poi, poi and poke. And I was like, really? Um, there's something about poke, which is, you know, Hawaiian cubed fish. And, you know, from what I hear is that it's just like this, this rage across the country. And for us, it's like saying, oh, well, spam musubi is the rage across the country, which <laughs> probably never happened. But, um, Poke, we've been eating this for a long time. We don't we don't get fussy about it here. We just keep the fish, you know, put limu, put throw some Hawaiian salt or, you know, put, put some soy sauce or sesame oil and, you know, eat it raw or eat it on its own. Like as we call it poo-poos. I'm not sure if you ever heard that. So yeah, it's yeah. so again, it's one of those things that's really funny. It's kind of like, would you like some poo-poos? And people are like, What? You know, like poo-poos? That sounds like you know, that just sounds like a really weird word, <laughs> but it means appetizer right? or, you know, hors d'oeuvres for, for people that don't know. But, you know, we just eat it and we eat it with chopsticks or a fork or whatever. And um, you, you go you go on Instagram and they're just putting pineapple on it and they're doing some crazy stuff with it. And and for people like here in Hawaii, you're just like, mm, yeah, we don't eat it with pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, down the street from my from my house, there is a uh, poke chain restaurant oh, okay. um, with a poke bar where you can get all kinds right. of different fish and different. You can get it served on top of like rice right. or uh, or kale or right. whatever it is. Yeah, we don't need and poke that, with yeah. kale. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, it, it's 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 open to interpretation, right? I mean, that's basically food food culture is is it's open to interpretation. So that's that's what. You know, here in Hawaii, we call people in the continental U.S. mainlanders. I, I don't know what you guys call us, like, you know, just like islanders in the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> but, you know, on, on the mainland, you know, they've taken something that we've grown up with and have interpreted in whatever culinary palette that suits them, whether that's New York or the Midwest mm-hmm. or the West Coast. I'm waiting for like poke bagels. I think that's probably the ultimate form. Yeah, we, we actually did this thing where there's a really great dessert. We get it once a week. It's called kulolo. Basically, it's made out of taro, sugar, honey. So we got some yesterday. And it's a dessert that's very hard to find. And what we did is it's only good for like a day or two. So we, we took it and we we made it into like a ball and we put like poke in it and we just try to fry it up and see how that turned out and it was kind of really interesting because the (laughs) the consistency of of kulolo is kind of like if you're familiar with um mochi sure which is that very gelatinous i don't know is it the the word glutinous rice yeah glutinous rice right you look like you're still processing it yeah because it was the chef did that and I was like, mm, it tastes good, but I don't know what to make of it because I've never had this combination of texture together. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, so was the, you, you said poke inside? Mm-hmm. Inside, cool. inside the, okay. And then we like 
deep fried it. <laughs> so was so was the poke inside still like like raw? Was it was it... like semi. It was like okay. um, kind of yeah, like a little bit steamed. Yeah, maybe? A little, okay, a little seared. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> so we do that with rice balls. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we do that like here in Hawaii. There's there's some places that will take like a rice ball and put poke in the middle, and then so it's really crispy on yeah. the outside, and then you got this fresh poke in the inside. That's really pretty yummy. Oh. Um, <laughs> But Hawaiian food is, 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 you know, how it has changed over the years is, you know, I think back then, like my grandparents' time, things were very simple. You know, it's very straightforward. Yeah. You know, people ask us, how do we get the name Highway Inn? Well, my grandparents' first store was on Farrington Highway, which is a stretch of road on the west side of Oahu. And back then in, in the 40s, there were a few popular restaurants, um, Victoria Inn, Columbia Inn, Wisteria Inn. So all the people in their 70s and 80s will fondly remember these restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he named it Highway Inn. And so we were like, well, yeah, that's very uncreative, but it works. You know, I mean, it was I think our my, our grandparents' generation was very straightforward and very practical. There was no such thing as marketing gimmicks and trying to persuade you to buy their product on Instagram. And I mean, they're very simple, you know. <laughs> and 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 now people create names in a way that they're much more thoughtful in terms of what that name communicates to to an audience. Whereas Highway Inn really just came with the practicality of where it was located Mm -hmm. and and, in that time period. And then interestingly enough, in 2013, we opened Highway Inn on Alamana Boulevard, which is also known as Nimitz Highway. So, you know, it works, but here in Kaka'ako, it is a different group of, not different and the same, whereas we're very close to Waikiki. Mm -hmm. So we do get more tourists. Um, We get more business people because we're also right next to downtown Honolulu, which is our business district. And we have our local families that come and eat with us. And so we have a very diverse group of people that come and eat with us here in Kaka'ako. Alternatively, our Waipahu location, which is kind of like our Starbucks at Pike's Market, you know, it's the original, um, but not in a famous place like Pike's Market. It's in a place called Waipahu, which means like gushing fresh water. We draw a lot of our customers from places like Nanakuli and Waianae, a lot of native Hawaiian populations that are multi-generational. So our customers in Waipahu, they know what they want. Mm-hmm. They, they, if we have specials, it doesn't matter to them. <laughs> Whereas our Kaka'ako customers, they come in and they're like, well, you know, I'm vegan. What do you have? And we're like, poi. <laughs> That's it. It's not for you. But, you know, some, yeah, yeah, we have a little bit of salt, hawkeye. Pepper, um, pepper water. Yeah. Um, but, our, but, you know, um, joking aside, it, it is a little bit more diverse in menu offerings and more than our Waipahu location because our customers here in Kaka'ako are, are, are far more diverse than those in Waipahu. You know, I think we are really fortunate here in Hawaii. And, and, and one thing I think that's really great about the restaurant industry that I try to share with our staff, because my friend who owns um, another restaurant, Tiki, is out in Waikiki, shared with me the restaurant industry is, is unique in the sense that it's one of those industries where, for the most part, not always, I mean, you get those customers that you really prefer not to have, but, you know, it's, it's to make people happy. You're, you're, we're in an industry that you can make people happy. You know, unlike doctors and lawyers, 
you know, EMTs, right? They're, they're always in, in difficult situations that are not um, either people are fighting or people are sick or, you know, there's, it's an emergency situation. Um, there's a lot of pressure in the kitchen, but ultimately we are in a position to be a positive experience in people's lives. And I think oftentimes restaurant people forget this because it is very, there's a lot of pressure. And, and you know, our servers, I always like to, to share with our servers that it's kind of like having a hundred bosses every day. Oh, Get yeah. me this. I want this. This is not good. You know, and, and it's stressful for our servers just as much as it's stressful for our kitchen staff trying to get the food out. But the one thing here in Hawaii I think that makes us quite unique and, and quite fortunate is the sense of aloha. And, and not to sound cliche about it, but we do have this overarching cultural value of aloha, which anybody who is born and raised or moved to the islands would be very aware of. And like alo, you know, like forward or presence, ha meaning breath, you know, the presence of life to be compassionate, to show kindness, to show grace. These are things that are just very much a part of the Hawaiian culture, the host culture. And and so it's much easier to try to train people because they fundamentally understand this idea of aloha. Just like Southern hospitality, I guess would be a bit similar. They have a very unique type of hospitality perspective yeah we were just talking about that in the lift on the way oh, over cool. yeah how yeah. similar those two yeah really like southern are. hospitality and you know the hawaiian hospitality it is it's very much like that and um you know i think several people including you know my favorite president obama you know um mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um you know i think it's i think it's cool that you know, they, they oftentimes recognize the place that they come from could be, you know, beacon of, of hope for for the world. Um, obviously, in, in our own little microcosm, even here in Hawaii, where life is, cost of living is so high, it's very stressful for families here in Hawaii to make it work. And so a lot of families here in Hawaii, they, they are very stressed out, you know, as a result of it. But we're, we're fortunate enough to have this cultural value of aloha. Um, what are you looking forward to in the future? <sighs> More help. <laughs> like, I can only think like one day at a time at the moment. And, and you know, anybody who, who runs a restaurant, who works in a restaurant, you know, understands. Um, there's a lot of competition now, I think. I think there's a lot of people that talk about oversaturation in the restaurant industry. Um, there's a lot of restaurants that are in need of kitchen help. You know, we're, we're all very price sensitive um, in terms of, you know, there's minimum wage issues going up. How is that going to affect menu prices? When you start increasing menu prices, you start to become concerned about consumer demand flattening or softening. Then you can't really give hours to your staff. You know, there's also the other layer of, of technology and how technology comes into play in the restaurant industry. And, you know, you see McDonald's, for example, utilizing this in terms of having people go up to the kiosk and placing their own order. And so I think technology is also changing the industry. And, um, you know, as costs increase, you know, people are trying to find ways to to minimize costs so that it doesn't affect the menu prices in a way that will affect the, the, the demand 
And so, you know, everyone's just, just really trying very hard right now. It's, it's a very tough business to be in. And mm-hmm. I give anybody in this, this business, anybody who owns it, anybody who manages it, anybody who works in it deserves a lot of credit. Absolutely. Yeah, it's tough. Do you see some beacons of hope out there? I think, you know, so what I shared with you earlier, (laughs) yeah, losing some key people, which Mm -hmm. is common, you know, it's moving in the right direction. Just before this, I had a video interview with with, um, Commitment School Salt about some of our artwork here in Kaka'ako. Mm -hmm. And right outside our restaurant, there's a mural that says, this is a good day or this was a good day. And it's a great mural to have right outside my restaurant because when you're having a really crappy day and you see this big, you know, street art that says this, this is a good day, um, it kind of reminds you to appreciate all the good things that happen because it could always be worse. We have a little bit more of this interview for you, but first we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And back to the interview. Every now and then we end up burning our lao lao and we can't use it. And fortunately, there's a nonprofit organization called Aloha Harvest. And I called them up and I was like, um, do you think you can, like the leaves are not burnt, but it just kind of has that smell like it's burnt, but nothing is really burnt. And this is to feed the hungry. Oh. And so they were willing to take it. So at least 46 lao lao that has this burnt smell went to feed the hungry. So it wasn't all bad. Mm, that's still that's great yeah. it's great that that organization exists yeah, yeah. Um, if anybody ever visits us here out at Highway Inn and you're not familiar with Hawaiian food ask for our Malahini guide I have this guide that says the Malahini guide to Hawaiian food and my standing joke is that Malahini doesn't mean idiot <laughs> it means <laughs> it means newcomer <laughs> So it's not the idiot's guide to Hawaiian food. It's the newcomer's guide to Hawaiian food, just for clarification purposes. Um, but it but it is a great piece because it has pictures and it talks about pipikaula and it talks about the story of lomi salmon and it talks about poi and it talks about kolo pig and lao lao. And, and so if you really want to experience culture through food, that's a great place to start. It truly is a universal language. When you sit down and you offer food or you make food for someone, it truly is an act of love. And and so, you know, I tell all my staff that, and I'm sure every chef, every cook knows this, the secret ingredient is always going to be aloha. It's always going to be love. Because if you don't have the feeling of aloha when you're cooking or the feeling of love, you know, that that's the mana or the the spiritualness of that process is is what makes you care about it and that's why grandma's food is always the best right i mean anybody's grandfather well in my case it was my grandpa Uh but you know that's why grandmas and grandpas you know cook the best because when they cook for for their children and their grandchildren is always infused with aloha oh i love that so much (laughs) right oh (laughs) yes yes that she was full of beautiful, beautiful things like that that just made me appreciate so much the power of food and the connection that it it brings us. Absolutely. Oh, uh, oh, I want to I want to go back right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was telling Dylan last night because we were talking about this producer Dylan that spirit of aloha and missing it so much. And I was, I was recounting the tale of when I was in seventh grade, I had a, a teacher, my social studies teacher, who I loved, uh, he, but he was one of those kind of gruff, also a gym teacher teacher. Okay, okay, yeah. And on the last day of seventh grade, we were joking with him because he was all decked out in like a straw hat, a Hawaiian shirt, all this stuff. And we were like... Coach, why are you what are you going to Hawaii? And he said, in my mind, I'm already there. <laughs> he said it so seriously, and I think about it all the time. Uh, so we can be there in our minds. It's not the same, Lauren. It's but, it's not the same, certainly for my stomach. Yes. But yes. uh but oh man, I need to go order some locomoco from somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that sounds amazing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we hope you enjoyed that interview as much as we did and we would really love to hear from you listeners 
You can email us at hello at saberpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.